Coming up on today's WAC podcast, we're going to talk Utah Valley basketball. We've got two guests joining us, Brandon Crow, the play-by-play of the voice of the Wolverines for men's basketball, and Clint Bergie, the Associate Athletic Director for Communications and Marketing, both getting great insight into this season. They both give a lot of uh, good insight to the season ahead. That's ahead on the WAC podcast. Today's episode of the WAC podcast is brought to you by Hercules Tires, the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference. Now here are your hosts, Eric Danner and Rachel Hill. Welcome everybody into the WAC podcast. Eric Danner, Rachel Hill, and the WAC Digital Network Studios in Denver, Colorado. Very excited to have Brandon Crow on today to talk men's basketball for Utah Valley. Yes, and we're also going to have Clint Berge, the Associate AD for Communications and Marketing for Utah Valley. Their uh, men's team, big changes this year. Mark Madsen, second year as head coach. 17 new players on the roster. 17 new players, and Brandon gives us a little bit of insight on those players. You're going to want to stick around and listen. We're now joined by Brandon Crow, Utah Valley's broadcaster for men's basketball. Brandon, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Brandon, uh, yeah, thanks again for being on. Uh, Here we are. It's uh, basketball season right around the corner. The NCAA coming out saying November 25th, the official start date for games right around Thanksgiving. Any idea if Utah Valley's men's team, if they're going to be in action that week? You know, there's a great, I'm a big movie guy, and there's a great scene in Rocky too, where Mick has Rocky trying to chase a chicken in an, in an alleyway. Yes. And I feel like, I feel like that's, that's really where, where people are right now. I mean, Utah Valley, they're hoping to be playing that weekend, is, is what I've been told. Uh, but, I mean, they had a big game scheduled for the 27th against BYU, and then that was scrapped. And so they're trying to really figure out if, if that game can be pushed later on into the season, maybe even next year. Uh, so, honestly, it's, it's just all up in the air right now. It's very fluid. You see a lot on the news lately with these playing tournaments, these possibilities all over the country. And, and certain teams, I think Nebraska was in the news the other day for pulling out of certain tournaments here and there. And so it's really a fluid situation. But as of right now, Utah Valley still remaining very optimistic that, uh, that the guys will be strapping it up that weekend. Brandon, how ready are you to get back to calling games? Oh, man. I, I think my wife is probably the, the person that's, <laughs> that wants me back the most. So she's tired of listening to me talk in our little apartment to, to the TV. Uh, but it's it's same with my friends. I mean, I've been t- trying to, to do anything I can. Uh, I've been golfing a lot here in Utah. We've been able to golf. And so I take my, my recorder with me and I'll pretend like I'm Jim Nance out there on the golf course. And, and my friends kind of get bothered. But I think it's, you know, they understand. But I'll definitely love to be back at the UCCU Center and Collins and basketball. So you're calling golf. I, I got to imagine that's, uh, that doesn't go over well with the other two guys in the foursome maybe? Well, I, I keep my distance, and so, uh, you know, uh, like my friend the other day, Gary, had a fantastic drive, and then he turned it into a beautiful par, and so I just stood off to the side and was able to call a, call a par like I would if I was, you know, at Augusta or something, at least in my mind. <laughs> Last year was head coach Mark Madsen's first season. How well do you think he was received by the fans of Utah Valley? You know, I think, I think he was – everybody loves Mad Dog. Uh, I think uh, you'll see, I think he might be showing up sometime over the next couple of weeks. There's a new book coming out documenting the Lakers uh, called The Three Ring Circus by Jeff Perlman. And so Coach Madsen, I think, is, has been uh, requested to speak about that. And 
And one of, one of the main broadcasters out there, I think Jim Rome said it the other day, he said, everybody loves Mad Dog. And here in Utah Valley, everybody loves Mark Madsen. And they might not be Lakers fans per se because it was a big jazz contingency here, but they love Mark Madsen. I mean, he's just – what you see is what you get. And he's, he's just a lovable guy. And, and I think really a lot of people coming into last year, Rachel and, and Eric, uh, had this big question of whether or not he could, could coach. And you saw with some of the results last year, granted it wasn't his team that he really brought in, but with some of the results going to Kentucky, uh, trailing big and then rallying, being down by one with just a couple minutes left, going on the road, getting big wins at North Dakota State. They were a tournament team. Uh, wins against Wyoming, UAB. I mean, I, we know he can coach, and I think everybody here is very optimistic about the future. Yeah, they almost pulled a, off a big upset at New Mexico State, if not for a Jabari yeah. Rice three-pointer the at the three yeah. yeah. Uh You mentioned Jim Rome. Uh, Rachel and I were talking about Jim. <laughs> She's not as familiar with Jim Rome as, as I am growing up with him. Epic and, you know, all, all, his, all his sayings. And Mad Dog, as you call him, he's a guest on Jim Rome recently. And he, he's got that kind of swagger, I guess, around, around the country. And then, you know, now that uh, – Coach Marley's no longer at GCU. Uh, maybe Mark Madsen's the best uh, former basketball player coach in the WAC. Is that fair to say? I absolutely think it's fair to say. I mean, crazy, kind of a crazy story, but I'm from Southern California, born and raised, Laker fan, UCLA fan. Our family's had UCLA season tickets forever. And so I was able to watch him when he was coming through the ranks at Stanford. And then when he got drafted by the Lakers, I was cheering for him and and all my friends in high school, they called me Mad Dog because I was a member of the same church as Mark Madsen and, oh. and everything. And, and then so I actually wrote him a letter when I was 12 years old. I said, hey, I know this is a shot in the dark, but, you know, people call me Mad Dog. I love watching you play. Fast forward maybe a couple months down the road, I got a, a little signed picture from him and everything. And my parents still have it at home. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's just it's a cool story. And it's just it's crazy to see. Mark Madsen, you know, a, a Laker that I just, you know, loved as a kid. He's, he's here coaching Utah Valley. And I was at practice the other day, and he was trying to tell the guys, saying, hey, look, the plays that we're running here are plays that you're, when you turn on the NBA finals over the next couple of weeks and watch them, they're the same plays that they're running. I got these plays from when I was playing, with, when I was coaching LeBron James. And so if these kids really buy into the fact that he was around Phil Jackson, Jackson, Kobe, Shaq, LeBron, some of the greatest players and coaches to ever do it. If they really buy in to the knowledge that he has, I think Utah Valley is in for something special. Have you ever brought up the picture with Coach Madsen? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I brought that up, and he, he laughed, and he said, you know what, I, I tried to respond to those letters as much as I could, and I'm glad, I'm glad that, you, that you were able to get it. And so he's, he's, he's an awesome guy. Well, it is pretty amazing when you mentioned growing up in California and of course, everybody remembers the, the dance after they won the championship. But Shaq and Kobe are on the same stage, but yet everybody remembers Mark Madsen from that yep. uh, celebration. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, well, not only that, but again, Los Angeles has a big Hispanic community, and he served his LDS mission in Spain, so he spoke Spanish. And so he caught everybody off guard when he started throwing out Spanish. And then everybody just loved him even more after that. <laughs> Well, let's get back to some UVU basketball now. <laughs> Who are you most excited to see take the court this year for the Wolverines? Ooh. Well, Rachel, I think Utah Valley 
in the whole country has the most newcomers, 17 newcomers for this squad. And one of the big, the big guys that I'm really excited to see is Evan Cole, the, the transfer from Georgia Tech. Uh, big guy, 6'10", 250. And then also a redshirting for last year was Dawes Amok. And so he's familiar with Mark Madsen and his system because he was redshirting last year. And so really, this is going to be a, a different Utah Valley team than the WAC is used to and that other people are used to seeing because he's going to have almost like a Tim Duncan, David Robinson, Twin Towers type of thing with Evan Cole and Dawes Amok going in the post. Really, I don't think anybody else in the WAC has something like that. And then he also went out to bolster his, his roster with a bunch of junior college transfers, Division I transfers, a lot of speedy guards. I think I counted on the roster. There's probably 12 guys that could probably play the position of guard at some point. And so there's a couple transfers from, from BYU. I'm very interested to see how they adapt to. Blaze Neal, Colby Leafson. Um, but, yeah, 17 newcomers. It's, it's going to be pretty crazy. Now, coming back, there are a few guys – coming back from last year's team. Trey Woodbury, probably the only one who, who got a lot of uh, starting action last year. So I would imagine being a year in uh, Coach Madsen's system, he would be a logical leader on the team this year. Yeah, I mean, you, you think so? I just, from what I've been able to see, what I observe calling the games, I, I mean, I can't speak for him, but I, I observe Trey Woodbury as, as somebody more of like a Clay Thompson type where he, has, he tries to lead by example. He's not necessarily the vocal type of leader, um, but I do honestly going back to, to Evan Cole, I just based off of what I've been able to see, there is a real underlying fire that's within him. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see him take more of, of that role. I think people are going to see in Evan Cole what they thought they were going to see in Bailey Steele a couple of years ago. Um, but Trey Woodbury, definitely he'll, he'll be a silent leader. But as far as somebody that's more vocal, I think that will go to the maybe an Evan Cole. Dixie State is joining the WAC this year for basketball, obviously very close to Utah Valley. Do you imagine that there will be some sort of rivalry, maybe traveling trophy? From what, I'm heard, from what I've heard, it's possible. It might be in the works. I cannot confirm nor deny. I don't know the specifics <laughs> yet. But I imagine when you get two schools in the same conference separated by the same freeway, that you have to have something like that. And this will be a different looking whack this year. You mentioned Utah Valley is going to look different uh, with the big guys in the post, but the whole conference is different with uh, Rod Barnes and CSU Bakersfield no longer in the league, Kansas City no longer in the league. They're replaced by Dixie and Tarleton. So it's, it's going to be a, a different feeling. Of course, 2020 has been different uh, pretty much all year long. So I guess that's, yeah. that's maybe the motto of this year. It's, it's going to be different. It's going to be different, but, you know, underlying in the WAC, there are, you know, consistencies, right? Uh, New Mexico State, they're like a well-oiled machine out there in Las Cruces. And it seems like it's almost like a, like a Ford uh, conveyor belt where it's just like switching out the different parts, but it's the same product coming out. You know that what you're going to get is a, a very excellent, well-coached team, uh, different players. I'm very curious to see what's going to happen with Grand Canyon. And I'm curious to see what's, what Dixie State and Tarleton are going to offer. But you can, always, you can always count on the Western Athletic Conference to give you a solid product. And people might not necessarily think that going in, and then they'll always leave with some raised eyebrows saying that was, that was some quality, quality basketball there. That's exactly what you want people to say about WAC basketball. And Brandon, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us and spending some time with us. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Stay safe. All right, that is Brandon Crow, the play-by-play -play voice of Utah Valley men's basketball. When we come back, we're going to talk 
UVU women's basketball with Clint Bergen. You're listening to the WAC Podcast. We would like to thank our sponsors of the WAC Podcast, Hercules Tires and Adidas. Now, back to Eric and Rachel. We are now talking Utah Valley women's basketball with Clint Berge, the Utah Valley Associate Athletic Director for Communications and Marketing. Clint, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Good to see you, too. I hope it's been a a good summer for you guys. We're excited to get going, though. Yeah, we cannot wait to get going, Clint. Speaking of that, uh, any word? I mean, November 25th was the date that the NCAA put out for first uh, competition dates in basketball. I know coaches have been scrambling trying to find opponents. Any idea what uh, women's basketball UVU when they might be uh, starting their competitions? I think we're going to play on the 25th from what I've heard. So a couple games that first weekend. Um, And then we have the luxury of having a lot of teams on the schedule um, beforehand be kind of local to us. And so uh, I think Coach Nielsen's schedule is pretty close to being finished. Obviously, a few contracts to, to fix up, but uh, yeah, we're going to play 25th, so we're, we're right there. What are the safety protocols looking like out at Utah? Um, you know, I think, you know, most like anywhere else, uh, we've got our, our, uh, our, obviously our team that works with the WAC, or, or the Andrew Nelson, our athletic trainer, and Dr. Robinson, our team doctor. Um, so, you know, we've got a couple teams in, in quarantine right now. We've had uh, most of our teams at some point or another go into quarantine, so and it's not really been a it's not really been a a big uh, team wide thing. It's more or less been one or two people. Uh, but since they've been practicing, obviously we're going to take those precautions. So uh, it's it's you know I think it's probably the same as most anywhere. We're we're being we're being safe, but we're still you know trying to function as best we can. How often then is testing happening? Uh, I don't exactly know uh, how often they're doing it right now. They'll do it more. Once we start competing, it's going to be more like where, where the WAC says we go from there. But right now, I think it's some of it's based on um, if, if someone's exposed to it or if someone's feeling symptoms. So there's not a lot of asymptomatic testing going right now just because we're not competing against anyone but ourselves. So um, and a, like a lot of teams, a lot of our kids live together. So they're pretty much around each other, like women's basketball. Most of those kids live together. So they're around only each other. So um you know, if they, if one of them gets it, they're all going to get it. And so if that happens and that, then that's where the quarantine comes in. But yeah, testing right now, I think is more or less just a, a, when a symptom arises or if there's been some contact tracing. Well, Clint, uh, you mentioned coach Nielsen uh, last year was his first season as head coach at Utah Valley. He'd been an assistant uh, prior to that, but it uh, comes in nine and six. They were the number two seed in the WAC tournament. Was that a, a surprise to the folks in Orem that uh, the Wolverines came in uh, during Coach Nielsen's first year and were the number two seed? You know, maybe after the start the team had, it was a bit of a surprise, but I don't think it really was a huge surprise. Uh, the team hovered close to 500 the year before with pretty much the same roster. Um, and they were really streaky. They started one and nine, then won seven in a row, lost four in a row, two of them by, you know, one at the buzzer against Bakersfield and then one in overtime at Seattle. Um, so really, I think after the one and nine start, the team was pretty good um, until they really probably played, you know, the last game the WAC played, but the, probably the worst game of the season against Seattle and then in Las Vegas. Coach Nielsen will have to replace first team all WAC selection, Jordan Holland. How does he do that? Well, he uh, it definitely changes things when you don't have Jordan, but uh, 
I think the biggest thing this year he, he's looking at is, is depth. He needs depth. He's got some depth coming in. Um, and then the team needs to be able to shoot three-pointers and defend the three-point line. And those are two things that are, you know, things he's really focused on. The, last year, the team shot just 29% from three. And they allowed teams to shoot 35%. And both of those are really in the bottom, you know, third of the country as far as percentages go. So that's been a focus. He's brought in some players that can hit the three. Um, you know, he'll, he'll, as far as replacing Jordan, uh, you know, Jordan wasn't really a shooter, so he's got some shooters in. Um, we've always got, got Maria Carvalho back and then uh, Josie Williams um, down in the post. So I think more depth, uh, more perimeter shooting, probably better perimeter defense to, to lock up down on those three-point shooters. And, uh, and then like with Josie, for example, when we get the three-point shooters in there, it opens things up for her inside. She was actually one of the most efficient half-court players in the WAC. Uh, I saw a study that, that did that, Synergy did that. So um, when she can get the ball down low, she usually can score unless she's double teamed. So if we can have those girls hit threes, I think it's going to open up a lot for her. Talking with Clint Berge and Clint uh, Maria Carvalho, you mentioned there, she was a uh, second team all whack last year. And when you look at the uh, returners this year, a lot graduated uh, from the first team all whack. And Maria might have a chance to be a preseason all conference and maybe in, the, in line for potentially some, some awards this year. Yeah, I looked at the uh, I looked at the WAC, you know, in preparation for this. I looked at the All WAC team from last year, and there's not a single person from the first team back, four seniors, and then a transfer. Um, and I think it was just three girls, including Maria, on the second team. So, and not knowing really what the newcomers have, I think yeah, I think Maria comes Maria comes in as somebody, especially when she when she started playing better after the team struggled to start the, with the start. That's really when we got better and. And uh, really keyed on her play, the point guard. She, um, you know, one thing I looked at too is is her season. Um, she played in the last 15 games, which was basically all but the first conference game. She played 28 minutes against Chicago State, but from every game then thereafter, she only didn't play 23 minutes total out of the possible, however, hundreds of many minutes we were played. So only 23 minutes off the floor in the last 15 games of the season. So. And that's where that depth comes in. But I also think with that depth, it's going to give Maria a chance, you know, to, to maybe put up better numbers. You know, the, the offense, will, the ball will move better. You know, we, she won't be on the court for 38, 39 minutes every game. I'm sure she'd like to be, but uh, obviously we, we got to get her a break every once in a while. So, yeah, I think Maria can, can – the way she progressed middle of the season to the end, if she can make another leap like that, I certainly think she can be a whack again. Who else do you anticipate making a big impact on the court offensively? Uh, as far as returners, Josie, like I said, Josie Williams, our six-five center, uh, Neha Sohill. Um, I guess they're going to put her in more of a, a four role this year. She was kind of a three last year, but she can put the ball. She's pretty athletic, long, can shoot the three. Um, so those two, I think, you know, as far as start returning starters go, those are the two. Uh, Madison Grange off the bench. She's she's showed sparks last year, and then there's a, a few newcomers. I think he's really looking looking forward to as well. Clint saw on the uh, UVU women's basketball social media recently the uh, the dribble drill, and it was something that went uh, viral uh, maybe a few weeks ago. I believe it was in China, and the UVU women were able to pull this off. I don't think Rachel and I could pull that off, let alone a whole team with uh, all those basketballs. Yeah, it was it was uh, the the Chinese kids were pretty good. I think they were actually better than our girls. So. Um, <laughs> But we thought we'd try it, try to do it, try to copy it and see if we, we could get, you know, anything for it. I thought it went well. You know, it, it's so funny how all the, the 
everything goes with social media. Like one of our players, our new player, Ray Falatea, she made a TikTok. And apparently it's got like 100,000 likes or views or something like that. And, and so, yeah, so it's funny where everybody's kind of looking for that one thing to go viral. And, and, you know, we didn't expect to do too much, but we thought it'd be fun. We tried it. Clint, my last question for you, Kansas City, CSU Bakersfield leaving the WAC, Dixie and Tarleton coming into the WAC. Now, where do you anticipate UVU women's basketball in the standings? Um, well, first, I think, right? Um, you know, it's hard to say. I think everything's so – it's going to be so – there's so much parity, I think, in the league now. And a lot of unknowns with, you know, with the coaching change at Grand Canyon. Um, I know there's a lot of turnover at New Mexico State. There's turnover at Seattle. Um, you know, we lost Jordan and Alexis. Um, so I think it's really wide open. Um, and like I alluded to earlier that, you know, there's no all conference first team players back. And, you know, one thing I thought about too, is, um, when you look at how things are going to start, maybe not end, but start, you know, there's a lot of schools right now that aren't even practicing, haven't been together at all. And our team has been on campus most of the summer when they were able to get in after, you know, restrictions were lifted a little and they're practicing now. And, and so I, I do wonder how COVID is going to affect the way things start and, you know, really how many, how teams can gel, uh, even if they can or can't early on, but once they get to conference season two. So I'll be interested to see how that goes as well. Clint, uh, we talked to Jonah Goldberg from UTRGV uh, a little bit earlier, and uh, they have Tarleton now in the same state uh, as, a, as a rival. And Utah Valley, similar situation with Dixie State joining the WAC in Utah. We've had a a lot of schools in Utah over the years, but I believe this is the first time UVU has had a WAC uh, opponent in state and in, in DSU. Is that going to be a pretty good rivalry, do you think, over the uh, coming years? I think so. You know what? It, it, uh, that rivalry actually goes back. It was the Scenic West Athletic Conference Junior College, uh, two junior college teams, and that was a good rivalry back, you know, in the, in the 80s, 90s. Um, you know, it's, uh, St. George is a three-and-a-half-hour drive south of here. Uh, it's always got nice weather. It's right by Vegas. So um, I think they'll, if they can get going, they'll be able to bring in some, some good talent. I think it'll, it'll make them a good program and it'll just make the rivalry better. It's, it is really nice to have a team in state, in this state to, to have rival, just a natural rivalry against, you know, and it'll be fun. We're excited for them. I'm looking forward to that rivalry as well. So Clint, thank you so much for hopping on with us. We do appreciate it. You bet. Thank you. All right. That is Clint Berge. And make sure to check us out on Friday when we preview Chicago State basketball. Thanks for listening to the WAC Podcast. Thanks for listening to the WAC Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at WACsports.com.